You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 61. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Welcome back. It is good to be with you again this week. And this week we're talking chronic pain. Now, this is not something that I am fortunate enough to ever have to have lived with yet anyways, but I certainly can identify with not feeling good, with my body just feeling old, my joints a little creaky, my energy levels low, just feeling, you know, very sluggish. And this really affects how I show up for myself in my life. It also affects how I show up for the people I love and for my patients when I'm on clinical shift and how I even show up for you. And so in my quest to understand how I could feel better in my body on a day-to-day basis, I discovered Sue Hitzman. Now, Sue is a nationally recognized neurofascial science and research educator, manual therapist, exercise physiologist, and founding member of the Fascia Research Society. She's the founder and creator of the MELT Method, a simple self-care technique that addresses the missing link to pain-free living, hydrated, supple fascia, and a stable, balanced nervous system. She's authored two best-selling books and is the CEO of Longevity Fitness, an online consumer and professional education business. Now, when I found Sue and started snooping around her website and her social media, I was absolutely fascinated. And what's funny about all of this is that I've intuitively sought out what she teaches. And, you know, one example is craniofacial therapy. This is something that I have received as as a treatment many times over the past decade or two. Can't explain it. Don't know why I like it. But what I can say is after I've had it done, I feel fantastic. And I recently invested in a rebounder, you know, one of those little small trampolines um, that you can just have in your house to bounce on. Um, I've wanted one for a while. And in fact, it actually stems back to watching the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. Did you ever see that one? Uh, It's actually an important movie to me because I was in high school when it came out and I really wanted to go see it and I couldn't find anybody to come with me. The guy I was dating wasn't interested, my mom didn't wanna go, my girlfriends didn't wanna go, and so it was the first time ever that I went to see a movie in the theater by myself. And it was a hugely liberating experience, but I digress. The point is, in that movie, there is a point where the main character is working on transforming her life and she's trying to lose weight, And she, you know, saying stop in the name of love while she's jumping on her little trampoline. And I've always had that image in my mind. And for the past few months, I've just had this urge to bounce. And I've also had this urge to to eat more plant-based foods. So that's another thing that I'm exploring. But the point here being that I've been bouncing probably every 20 to 30 minutes when I'm sitting here in my office working, I get up and I bounce for two or three minutes. And it has totally changed the way my body feels when I get up 
out of my desk at the end of the day. I'm sleeping better. I'm making better food choices. And there has to be something to it. So in this interview with Sue today, you're going to learn exactly why that bouncing has had such a profound impact on me and other things that you can do throughout the course of your day that does not involve a trampoline that you can use to keep your body feeling strong, supple, and healthy. And if you do happen to suffer from chronic pain, this is Sue's specialty. There's lots of tips inside this episode to help you get moving through that pain and find solution to pain. And if you're not experiencing chronic pain, then what she has to teach you is going to make sure that you never have to experience it. So without further delay, here is the interview with Sue. Well, Sue, Welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate you having me on your show. All right. We are going to delve into the topic of chronic pain and pain in the body and what we can do to work with that and maybe even what it can teach us. But before we get to that place, Sue, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am a neurofascial science and research educator. I'm a manual therapist, and I've spent the greater good of the last 25, almost 30 years now helping people uh, who have persistent pain issues that seem to go unresolved by the medical field, uh, diets, surgeries, uh, pills, and uh, people who are looking for um a better understanding, a deeper understanding, and a better relationship with their bodies, and a deeper understanding of why pain becomes chronic. Um, I have been uh, a manual therapist for over 30 years, and um, through my manual therapy practice, I developed a simple self-care technique called the MELT method mm -hmm. to empower my clients to get out of my office and back into active living. So that's essentially what I've been doing for the last 20 plus years. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I what what is chronic pain i have to ask this question because i don't think i have it right i get pain from time to time but i don't live with pain and so how do we define chronic pain so scientifically there's actually they they divide pain into two categories acute pain and chronic pain and acute pain we've all experienced right you hit your finger with a hammer you smash your head on the corner of a cabinet you trip and fall down a flight of stairs you cut yourself and the thing about acute pain is that it usually comes from some sort of a traumatic definable source. And oftentimes there's a quick solution for it, bandage, uh, maybe you go to the doctor, they do x-rays, MRIs, and they figure out how to solve the pain problem. And mm -hmm. the beauty of acute trauma is that it's usually self-limiting after a period of time, it starts to dissipate over many days or weeks, and then you should get back into your active life. Chronic pain, uh, scientifically, is defined as a pain that occurs from, uh, it's a side effect from something else. So uh, from a disorder or disease. So for example, diabetes doesn't cause leg pain. Diabetes causes neuropathy and neuropathy causes pain. Right. And when something is chronic, um, and also, you know, if you got into an accident and, and it caused some real severe tissue damage, that could also create a chronic problem. So the uniqueness about chronic pain is that over time, it doesn't get better. In fact, oftentimes it tends to get worse. And the way that most people define the chronic issues is either that it is a constant pain problem daily or it's a pain point that comes and goes like like low back pain but each time it comes back 
oftentimes it gets worse and it is, um, it, it, it goes longer and it also creates more symptoms. Like it started out as just back pain and now it's back and leg pain. And now you're having trouble walking or getting up out of a chair. So those are, those are the two traditional uh, types of pain. And in melt, what we often talk about is the gray area between these two, I call sudden chronic pain. And this is the one that most people are dealing with, which is a pain that doesn't, uh, it doesn't have a definable source. You didn't fall down a flight of stairs uh, or something, uh, an acute trauma. And it's not something that's caused by a disorder or disease. It's actually caused by the accumulative stress mm -hmm. from daily living. Uh, and the action that you do that causes your pain is in no way an acute trauma. Like people who all of a sudden bend over and pick up a pencil and their back goes out, or they wake up in the morning and they say, I can't turn my head to the left. I must have slept strange. And it's like, how do you sleep strange? So what happens uh, is this gray area of um, an issue in what we call defi the defined as connective tissue. And even though 100% of the time, no matter what type of pain you have, your brain's what's producing your sense of pain. When pain is chronic, the problem that people don't realize is that you have an issue in your connective tissue. It's not just your mind. So taking medicines that uh, deafen down the symptom of pain, like a pain reliever, doesn't actually eliminate the cause of the pain. We are very symptom-based oriented. And that's where people have, uh, I think, a big problem because it runs them down that rabbit hole of, of having a pain either return and be more aggressive or become more chronic and constant. Okay. And when you say connective tissue, you're meaning the fascia. Yeah. So, well, you know, there's all fascia is connective tissue, but not all, uh, uh, let me say that again, all fascia is connective tissue, but not all connective tissue is fascia. So uh, your blood could be considered a connective tissue. Your bones are con considered a connective tissue. But when I'm talking about connective tissue, I'm talking about the connective tissue system that is the three-dimensional fluid-based matrix under your skin, primarily made up of collagen that provides your entire body support connection and integration. So it's the tissue that keeps your skin smooth and supple. It keeps your organs tucked back in your belly. Uh, it's the system that gives your joint shock absorption and your muscles synergy, but it's also the tissue in your body that supports, protects, and stabilizes every blood vessel, cell, and nerve in your body. Uh, and, and so uh, it, it relates to all systems because it is the stability system of our bodies uh, and what recent science is starting to realize over the last 20 years because of atomic force microscopy and very dedicated researchers in the field of fascial research is that daily living causes an issue in the connective tissue which is a cellular fluid breakdown uh, that ultimately can can lead to dysfunction in the body that can lead to pain. Okay. And when you talk about this accumulation of the stress of daily living, are you mm -hmm. meaning like physical stress or is there a mind body connection going on here too? All of it. Yes. Yeah. So when I say stress, you know, it's, it's the same thing as when I say stability, those are big words, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm talking about stability, I'm not just talking about structural stability. Fascia actually plays a role in all aspects of stability, emotional, neurological, chemical, psychological, emotional, because again, when you're, when you don't feel stable, and I don't mean that again, just posturally, like when you don't emotionally feel stable, you, you move differently, your body behaves differently. And so the word stress is also kind of a confusing word because all incoming stress 
in a day. All incoming information is actually stress. From the moment you wake up, your stress regulator is on. And the problem with today's day and age is we are constantly on. We're from the second we wake up, we've got our phones, we're checking our emails, we're going on social media. And the demands of daily living in this day and age is much more uh, uh, fast paced. We get a lot of information into our bodies. And uh, most people don't actively participate in actually doing things that not just let you relax, like watching television, which is more stress coming into your it body, is, by the way, yep. right? Um, but, but we don't actually actively participate in boosting the other side of our stress regulator, which is an autonomic aspect of your autonomic nervous system. The stress regulator is called the, the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. The other side of that seesaw, if you will, is the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and repair. Right. And there's a third regulator, which is your gut regulator. Mm -hmm. So when our stress is incoming all of the time and we don't actively participate in boosting our own body's natural repair processes, we tend to get more symptoms. Um, and, and, you know, I would say this to anybody listening, you know, even if somebody's listening and they don't have chronic pain, I'll guarantee that everybody here has felt the, the breakdown of the fluid constructs of the fascial matrix. So I'm going to point out what we call pre-pain signals. Yeah. Uh, for people who, if you've ever sat for long periods of time, and when you get up, you feel like you aged 40 years because your joints don't work as well when you get up as you, they did when you sat down, mm -hmm. right? And, and the thing is, we've all experienced that. But the thing about it is when you get up and you move around, the achy stiffness seems to go away. So we never do anything about it. But if you think of the connective tissue like a river, daily living does cause, if you will, sediment in the river's flow. And where the accumulation of this breakdown of fluid flow tends to really reside is in the spaces of our body, like our neck, our low back, our joints. So when you have pain, most often it's not like, oh, my my muscles have pain. Most often it's the joints, your spine hurts, right? And then the muscle sees up. And so you feel the tension, but the compression is actually existing in the joint. So pain, when you feel it, is actually a construct of the fascial tissue. So if you never do anything to help replenish the fluid flow of your connective tissue, or you don't do things that actually boost the neurological aspects of repair, you start getting symptoms that seem unrelated to just your joints aching you. Like all of a sudden you feel like you're having trouble digesting food. You're gaining weight for no reason. Uh, in the middle of the day, you feel exhausted. You have to have caffeine around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. But at night, when you try to fall asleep, you can't wind down. You have a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep. And then you're waking up the next day with a backlog of stuck stress. And again, that's the issue with stress is that at night, that's where cellular repair is dominant. That's where the rest regulator. Right. And so if you're not getting a restful night's sleep, you're going to wake up the next day with a backlog of stuck stress and just time over tension overload. As we age, we tend to have an increased tendency toward age-related diseases, disorders, and dysfunctions. Okay. And so all of those symptoms that you just mentioned, yeah, I definitely experience those on a regular basis. We don't call them pain though, right, I, Michelle? No, we don't, but these are what you're calling pre-pain signals, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so when you look at our modern lifestyle, we're a little bit screwed because we are, well, we, I mean, we are in sympathetic dominance for a lot of the day and there is a lot of, um, you know, sensory input from, you know, all of our devices and media and like the fast, you know, pace 
environment in that way. But then most of us are also glued to our computer desks, you know, for most of the day. And then we are using things like TV or scrolling social media to relax, knowing that, you know, this isn't, this is more sympathetic stuff. Right. And so, I mean, and then if you add a crappy diet, you know, on top of it, all, all of these systems of communication in the body are kind of awry. Exactly, they do. And I think the thing that we need to realize, though, is that we can actively participate in boosting the body's repair processes. And it doesn't, it's not something that takes hours in a day. In fact, if you're sitting at your desk and you are working, if you even just set a timer for every 30 to 45 minutes and all you do is slide your chair back and stand up and bring your arms up over your head and take the biggest breath you can and then exhale and drop your arms down and then inhale and bring your arms up as big of a breath as you can take and exhale down and you do that four or five times and then you put your butt back down onto your chair and keep at work you are decreasing the stress regulator by just focusing on taking longer inhalations and exhalations mostly ex long exhales is excellent right. um, you're you're increasing circulation you increase blood flow right just from breathing a little bit more in a short span of time and standing up will decrease some of the accumulative stress in what we call the neuro core, which is the channel that your nervous system uses to signal and respond information from your brain to your body. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, when we sit, we're, we're actually kind of crunching that neural core. We're compressing that neural core. So just standing up can actually release a lot of um, uh, neurotransmission. It can boost brain fog and get you, get you clear thinking. Just, just doing that uh, three or four times a day could could change your whole mindset and how you feel over the course of a week. I mean, I think it's like we we think it's it's difficult to do, but um, that's like one thing. I mean, just getting up out of your chair and like going outside and, and standing on the grass and bare feet and hugging a tree uh, can can help the the rest and restore regulator. It's not like it's rocket science. We we just need to actively participate in quieting down and getting away from electronics and um, uh, thinking different about our body state. That's a, really the first step in all of it. It makes sense. I recently invested in a rebounder, like the, the little trampoline thing. It's right, Great. it's right behind me right now. But I probably every, I would say even 20 minutes, maybe even less than half an hour, I just get up for a minute or two and bounce on that thing. And wow. it, like it alone has made the world of difference. Absolutely. Yes, because well, and, and this is another thing. I mean, like actually rebounding is excellent because the fluid flow of fascia drives from fascia into the lymphatic system. And we know the lymph system is the most important part of our immune functions. So rebounding has actually scientific research where that bouncing helps to move the lymph system and that there are these pre-lymphatic channels that are conduits. They're pulling the fluid from fascia into lymph and that's how you junk dump waste and right. what we call toxins out of the body. Uh, and so if you did something like that, actually about 10 minutes before you did rebounding, if you drank just a little bit of water and then you did your re rebounding and then right away drank like eight ounces of water, you, you would help your body to flush through fluids. Um, and, and it's a wonderful thing. Like, again, what a simple thing. And even if people don't have an urban rebounder, you could just, yeah. you know, kind of stand well, up and yeah. just bounce. Well, that's, that's what got me into this thing is I just had the urge to get up and bounce. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but you know, did it. 
thought, well, this is ridiculous. And I looked it up and, you know, read things similar to what you described. And now, you know, here I've got it in my office. So, you know, clearly my body was trying to tell me, you know, I need, I need yeah. a little bit more of this. Yeah, get up. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that we can do to help ourselves in this way? I mean, there's so many things uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a creator of a self-care method that is a hundred percent focused on this. Yeah. So, you know, anybody listening, you know, looking up melt method and understanding how to induce uh, a stress decrease and a boosting of the autonomic and parasympathetic states of the body is easy to do, but even things outside of that, you know, having, um, a good relationship, uh, having somebody to take a walk with, yeah. uh, writing in a journal, um, you know, just taking a moment in the day. Like I meditate every morning. Mm -hmm. I get into my, my sacred spaces right outside here and I will sit down and for 30 minutes, I will just focus on breathing. I will try to clear my mind of everything of just breathing in and breathing out. I'll breathe in and visualize a mountain. I'll breathe out and feel solid and just keep that as my mantra. Um, so there, there's actually a lot we can do. Um, sipping water frequently, eating water-filled foods, all of these things can help our body's natural repair processes function more efficiently. Okay. Getting a good night's sleep, sleeping with an eye mask, that's another thing. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Serotonin, right, serotonin to dopamine, the, these um, uh, uh, more parasympathetic inducing hormones that are also neurotransmitters that kind of flip back and forth. Uh, when you're sleeping, having an eye mask on, not having electronics in your room, also right. very important, not uh, looking at your phone after, you know, like seven or eight o'clock at night, just shut the thing off so that the last hour or so that you're up, you kind of turn the electronics off. Um, and again, sleeping with an eye mask will help that dopamine and serotonin before you wake up to, to regulate more efficiently so that you actually stay in the REM and deep sleep phases more. And that's where cellular repair is dominant, right? right? So if, yeah. And so if you're not getting that deep sleep into REM, that's why you're waking up kind of with the cloudy head. You have an increased tendency toward weight gain, digestive problems, again, um, cloudy brain, you kind of start feeling anxious or depressed and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of work to do around getting people to understand how important sleep actually is. Right. I have had so oh, many experts, right? So many experts talking about so many different things on this podcast and every single one will mention the importance of sleep to, to every single body system. And yet it seems to be the first thing <laughs> to go when we get busy or stressed. Hey, that's it. Right. Yeah. We, we sacrifice our sleeping for our lives and people will say, well, I have kids, I have a dog, I have this, I have that. And to me, that is that part of the brain. That's the ego that is trying to trick us into believing that all of those things are more important than our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's a nasty, nasty thing that the ego can do to us is to convince us that we are the last person on the totem bowl that we should care about. And it just is something of dedicating yourself to wanting to live a better life. And so if you're not dedicated to that, the question is why? And I wouldn't focus on the problems. I would focus on where you want to go. Like it's the same thing with weight loss, right? Yeah. We sit there and focus on, uh, you know, 
what we're not supposed to eat and things like that. But if we actually focused on what would be the positive outcomes if I lost five pounds and, and to really think every day and visualize that, wow, if I lost five pounds, I could bend over and my back wouldn't feel so stiff. If I lost 10 pounds, I'd be able to walk a little bit more and my knees would hurt me less, right? So if we actually focused on the outcomes of the weight loss of the better sleep, mm-hmm. we, we would probably, our nervous system, it's almost like, um, you know, a Jedi mind trick in the brain where your your brain would almost get more excited to, to go to sleep, yeah, more excited exactly. to, to do exactly. those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get it. And sleep is important. Um, is there also a link to the to the food that we're eating? Yes. I mean, you know, we know in today's day and age, right, there's particular regions of our brain that get activated when we have sugar and they're the same places that get activated when you do heroin or cocaine. So they're the pleasure seeking aspects of our brain. And when we don't have joy, when we don't have happiness and we don't create the inquiry as to why we feel that way. We tend to then go after those foods that will stimulate those regions of our brain, which is why people grab, you know, the the chocolate or literally they're like, I know I shouldn't eat it, but it's almost like they're possessed and they have to get up and then they just start eating whatever they find in the, um, in the refrigerator to satisfy the wanting and yearning of the body. Um, so the, the types of food, you know, I think what a lot of people do is they almost do deprivation when they're, when they're, you know, trying to lose weight, right? We just, now we starve ourselves. And I'm always under the impression that that right there is a negative undertone when we're yeah, restricting. Agreed. Agreed. Instead, it's like, can I start my day with nutrients that will offer my body health and vibrancy? And what would those foods be? Foods with color, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it's a, it's egg, it's an omelet with, um, you know, some, some spinach and some, some sort of leafy green, maybe something like that, right? Something that is nurturing to our bodies. And I, I remember somebody saying to me, long ago, eat breakfast like a queen, dinner like a, or lunch like a princess and dinner like a pauper. So I've always kind of ate more in the morning hours up until about noon, a little bit less in the midday. And then at night, a much smaller type of meal. And it, you know, when we feel hungry, a lot of times it's dehydration, it's fluid. We haven't had enough fluid intake. Um, and also when we feel hungry, again, it, it tends to be in a place of lacking. We're lacking something. And it may not be food. It may be that we're missing someone or we don't feel loved. And, and we just cannot, our brains cannot disassociate food and pleasure from a hug, which could give you pleasure or calling your best friend. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a lot of that comes down to this disconnection between the mind and body actually. And, and I think, you know, people, um, it's hard to feel lonely. It's hard to feel bored. Like those are uncomfortable, uncomfortable emotions. And oftentimes we're just eating to disguise those things. But the problem is, you know, one, we're not giving ourselves what we really need. First of all, two, the foods that we tend to turn to in those situations are often, you know, processed, high sugar, high fat, 
lacking in, you know, nutritional value, you know, types of foods that really affect your energy levels and your digestion and how you feel in your body, which just makes it that much more difficult to move. Yeah. I mean, I think, to do I think that. oftentimes, yeah, we feel very, um, alone yeah. and I, I always want to encourage people to remind everyone that this is again, a, a construct of the mind mm -hmm. that we are in fact, never alone. I, I almost feel like I, I believe that we are all just spirits occupying a body and utilizing a mind to have a human experience. And we're all one and we all have to go through different circumstances and situations because it balances out the frequency of the spirit of all. Um, and that's, you know, so when we feel alone there, we have a choice to suffer and to stay in solidarity over it and to stay quiet about it, or we could take a different avenue. And it, 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 the problem with that is that our patterns from our childhood are pretty hardwired. And we go through life maintaining these same patterns because patterns become habits, habits become gestures, gestures become character. Mm -hmm. And how you react and respond oftentimes in the present moment has zero to do with anything happening in the present moment. Mm -hmm. It has to do with something that happened to you long ago where you were being deprived, somebody wasn't loving you, you didn't feel cared for, you didn't feel nurtured. And so now we just repeat that on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we can realize that the past may have shaped some part of what's happening today, but we are most likely more of the cause of what's sustaining that. And there's nothing happening in the past. Right. There, you can't change it. It's nothing's happening there. It's, it's a, it's a fabrication in a sense of, of history. And we can kind of rewrite that history and say, you know, I understand these things happened to me. I, I, I understand them. Um, they were not right. I didn't feel good about it. And how can I today not treat myself the way that I was treated any longer? How can I break free of the habit, free of that energy? Because what you're doing in the present moment is what's making your future. The past right. can't shape the future. Yeah. What, what you're doing now will. Yeah. The problem that I see so often is that people actually start to identify with that pattern, right? Exactly. That, that's who they think they are now and they don't right. see a way out of it. And I'm, I mean, I'm an emergency physician as well. And I, I actually see this often in, you know, patients on shift and ones that we see, you know, come visit us um, over and over again. And the pain that they're experiencing that, you know, we as medical professionals have not been able to find an explanation for, they're so um, identified, like they identify so much with their pain that nothing else seems possible for them. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah they talk about it all the time, you know, my, yeah, my, my knee, this and that, like they, they commiserate about it. It's like, they've practically given the, the pain in their knee a name. My God, Joe is bothering me again in my knee. You know, like we, we become so tied to the story that we can't break free from it. And that happens in my private practice. Like someone will have, maybe they got hit by a car yeah. and it was that person wasn't looking and now they are, you know, they, they are completely completely messed up. Their bodies will not bounce back. But the thing is, the more we tie an emotion to a memory, the more it links in, and then causes more of the effect. So it really is uh, important for people to understand that we are not our emotions. We're stronger than our emotions. We're bigger than our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors that we can, in a waking state, change how we feel 
because of how we think. And right. it sounds yeah. crazy, but it, it really is very, very possible. That, that is the very basis of what we teach inside my programming, right? Mm. And And I think... I hear this all the time, right? I mean, women who live in bigger bodies often have some element of chronic pain that they're using as an excuse to not, not get up and move. And it's not like when we say move, you have to get up and run a marathon tomorrow. It's like you're saying before, it's just every half an hour, stand up and stretch and take a few deep breaths and notice, you know, what happens in your body when you start to do that. But sometimes when we when we're living in bigger bodies and it becomes a little bit more difficult to move, we stop moving, we eat more, we get more sedentary, and that's when the pain starts. Right. Well, and, you know, so something to tell people who are who are heavier, right? That, that's what we're saying about a bigger body, right? Your bone structure is only able to manage so much weight. However, if you're carrying a lot of weight, stop and think here for a second on the positive side, how freaking strong you are already to carry that much weight that also has a lot of emotional ties. It has all of these things and you're carrying all of these burdens of weight and emotions in your body and you're powerful. You've been able to manage all of that. And so now what we want to do is take that power and reinsert it into a way that's going to elevate the energy of the body, not keep weighing it down. And that power and that strength, it is just about, again, changing your story, changing how you relate to the power that you've had to hold down because somebody was pulling you down and then you just keep adding the weight to it. But I mean, Michelle, you're saying so much right here is that we we can't, it seems so, right? You say it's so simple, just stand up and bring your arms away, just breathe up and down you know, maybe do a little bit of a little jiggle or a bounce every day. Um, just even sitting there and for two minutes, just starting to laugh <laughs> and just start laughing and you'll start to feel better. But I, I think there is the wanting and the longing of the of the spirit within us that is just so wanting to express itself. And we are trained into stifling the voice. Again, if you had a parent, like I had a dad who was like, you know, stop talking, Sue, and just go back to your room and stop asking questions, right? So I, I kind of learned to fly under the radar and not ask questions, but that really affected me as a kid growing up where my dad would be like, just try to fit in with all the other kids and just do what they do and don't be any better than any other kid. Just, mm -hmm. just be like everyone else. And that was very non-authentic. And so I got bullied because of that, because my, my true energy was not able to express itself. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not uncommon to turn to food, um, to do that. Or on the other side, you know, people end up becoming anorexic or bulimic because what they're really dying for is a sense of control and, and now they're controlling that right and so that it, it actually to me when we have something where we're eating or, or again purging there is such a powerful spirit inside that wants to emerge we we are just needing to recognize how strong we really are and in changing the story how much we can transform our lives from the inside out by not bringing those foods in any longer because the outcome is going to be a stronger more powerful being so that everyone can see just how strong and powerful you really are i love that that is such a 
transformative mindset shift right there. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, now I just, I just want to pivot for a second because we've talked about your melt method a couple of times, but mm-hmm. can, you, can you tell us more about it? What is the melt method? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I am a manual therapist. I've been treating people for chronic pain with my hands. My background is in neuromuscular therapy and these light touch therapeutic techniques, cranial sacral and visceral manipulation. And, uh, in the late nineties, I got myself into chronic pain and veered out of the fitness industry and the neuromuscular world into this world of fascia. And what, uh, was fascinating to me was how malleable the fascial system is. So I, started doing this with my private clients and I was empowering them to get out of my office and started to do things as homework. And I developed these soft balls and soft, uh, soft hand and foot therapy balls and soft body rollers that basically allow you to sense and feel yourself in a different way. So there are what we call the four R's of melt, reconnect, repattern, rehydrate, and release. And the reconnect techniques are assessment techniques to give people permission to go back into their bodies and right. literally sense what they feel right. outside of pain. Back to that. Always That's it, back right? That. Yeah. We must exactly. So we, we, if you can sense what you feel and not and not focus on your pain problems, but to begin to identify where this accumulative stress in this connective tissue system, where your stability system is faulty, and begin to address the stability aspects of your body, it boosts your mobility. So same thing with people, again, with their, they're heavier, like why don't they move is because when they get up and they move, it hurts, mm-hmm. right? So the beauty of melt is that you make these instant changes in your body's ability to, to return to a stable environment. So when you get up and you move around, around, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm moving so much better. So it's a, it's a very subtle body way that uses very gentle techniques. Uh, anyone can do it. A lot of the techniques you can do sitting at your table, at, you know, at your desk at work. Um, you can do some of the techniques in your bed. You don't need to get down onto the floor. Uh, but I started developing these techniques in the um, late nineties. And by 2004, I had helped thousands of people in a private practice. And I started to teach this as a group environment technique because um, I, I, I was in fitness for so many years. I was like, I think I could explain this in a group and maybe I could keep people out of my office entirely. Developed a language for it. 2010, I wrote my first book. It became a New York Times bestseller, which is called The Melt Method. And today we've got 2,000 instructors worldwide sharing the Melt Method in their communities. We have a streaming platform called Melt On Demand. We do uh, a different video every single week. We're very active on Instagram and Facebook under Melt Method. Um, The book's in nine languages. And my second book, Melt Performance, adds some of the neurological techniques to improve joint stability specifically and restore those sensory motor paths pathways that are the primal pathways of stability that, again, from everything from our emotional issues of our past to our physical limitations of our past, alter these primal pathways of movement and are the ones that we can rewire if we know how. So it's a it's a very robust methodology. Um, but the nice thing is it's simple to do. It takes about 10 minutes a day at a minimum. Uh, and you can make changes just even doing 10 minutes a day. It feels good when you do it. You feel great when you're done. And I think that is the beauty of it is that it empowers people at any age to help their bodies in a very gentle way and make really huge strides in their overall living uh, ability and their health span. And all body shapes and sizes can do this easily. 
anyone yet. We have people who are teenagers and young adults to older adults. We've got people with hip replacements, knee replacements, overweight. It doesn't matter if you're a human being and you are wanting to lead a more active, healthy, pain-free life, then learning about your fascial system, learning about how your nervous system creates pain, and then ways to act actively participate in tapping into the systems of the body that cause pain to become chronic right. rather than focusing on the symptom of pain. That's the way to get out of pain. Love it. And I can still keep jumping on my rebounder. hundred <laughs> percent. I love and, it. And, and actually, Michelle, if you melted, if you melted and then you jumped on your rebounder, you'd want to be there longer. Yeah. You, you'd, and, and you'd start moving in different ways. You'd be like, I almost think I like, you know, I can, I can bounce with a little bit more integrity. I can get a little bit lower in that bounce. Um, and, and it just makes you feel more resilient. And, and the beauty of Melt for the way that I started all of my clients who had a chronic pain issue is about an hour before they went to bed. That's when they melted because Melt boosts the body's repair processes. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of boost it before you go to bed, you get to sleep a little bit faster. You stay a little, <laughs> sleep a little longer. And like we've been saying, right, the better the restful night's sleep, you wake up the next day feeling better and better and better. And over time, you'll just feel like a new person, really. You'll feel more like yourself without the pain in your body. And then I just want to emphasize again, you don't have to have pain to do any of these exercises, to do the melt method, right? No. In fact, if we started doing this now, we could prevent ourselves from being there, hey? That's, that's, that's a huge point is that I think a lot of people who are fit, they, they think that they are proactive in their aging and their longevity. But I always say lots of people eat right and exercise and they still have chronic pain too. It's oh, actually a dirty sure. little secret of fitness. Yeah, sure. So we, yeah. And we tend to be very reactive in our life. We, we do things after we have a pain problem and then we try to seek a solution, but we are in fact, not so proactive. We don't do things to prevent and medicine, not preventative medicine is curative, For sure. right? We take, we take a medication yeah after we have a problem, not yeah. before. So yeah. you're absolutely right. If you melt 10 minutes a day, you are helping to boost the body's natural repair processes. You're pulling fluid flow through the body. That again is gonna boost your immune functions. It boosts your ability to sleep. That's gonna lead you to a more active life over time. And that, that's right. that's the goal of it. And, and I can also see this actually helping women who want to lose weight. Because, yeah. you know, here in, in, in my programs, we focus on living healthier, right? Making better choices for ourselves. That's what the actual goal is. And when you feel good in your body, it is so much more difficult to eat crap, right? You want right. to nourish yourself in a way that actually nourishes you when you feel good. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I can, well, you, uh, you're, you also, you know, if you get up, right. We said that before, you know, when you, when you hurt your, your, your joints hurt, you don't want to move, but if you just start to get into that mode and you sip water more frequently, you melt and your joints feel good. You're going to walk a little bit further every day. Exactly. And the, the, those, those endocannabinoids in your brain mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, need to be stimulated, the endorphins that you need to make you feel good. The, pleasure center of your mind will be stimulated without the foods. And that's, that's the hard part for people because when they have sugar, they kind of, it stimulates them. But then after you eat it, then you feel like crap because you get 
you crash and you also feel bad because you ate that crap that you shouldn't have yeah, eaten, right? Yeah, yeah, so so yeah. here what you're doing is you're you're giving your body the nutrient that it really needs, which is movement, it's fluids, it's it's better it's better foods. And and that's gonna make that pleasure center be more stimulated, which again, it you just will not crave the sugars anymore. Uh, you you'll just find that the foods that you used to crave, you'd be like, nah, I don't really want that anymore, right? You just stop eating it. It's it's kind of amazing uh the shifting and and you know melt's not about weight loss but anybody who's been overweight that started melting will say my joints stopped hurting me so i was more yeah. active and i lost weight without having to work for it and so yeah. that's amazing well see yeah. and well that is exactly what the point is right right yeah yeah i wouldn't ever encourage anyone to do this to lose weight but to feel better in your body because that's where the start for all that's of this is i love yeah. it yeah yeah, focus on what you want. If I lose weight, where would my life be better? What things could I do that I can't do today? Start focusing on that and stop focusing on how to lose the weight. Just focus on the goal that you want. And, and actually, that's the first way to alter your brain. You know, the mind control is kind of uh, amazing what you yeah. can do to change yeah. your brain. Oh, gosh, it's so true. And I think this, the, the melt method and just doing, you know, connective tissue work in any form, really, I think is right. a great um, segue in to living a healthier life, right? Amen. Because right. it's going so to take care of so many of the issues that we keep telling ourselves is preventing us from doing the things that make us feel good. So okay. I love it. I love it. And I was snooping around your website before, you know, we hopped onto this interview and I am very intrigued and I'm going to be exploring all of this more. So Beautiful. thank you, you know, so much for sharing this with us today. Um, I know it's going to impact me and I'm sure it's going to impact listeners as well. In the show notes, I'll list all the places people can find um, you and the Melt Method and the book. And Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Absolutely. Good luck, everyone. And thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Sue. I hope you had a lot of insights listening to this episode. I know I did. I've already been to her website. I have signed up for her online on-demand thing. I've even purchased one of her foam rollers. I am just all over this idea. Um, I will pop on to my podcast a few months down the road, give you an update on how this stuff is working out for me. Um, I, for one, am really um, intrigued. I hope you are too. If you do experience chronic pain, if you live with pain or with discomfort in your body, I'd love to hear your experience about that. Please reach out to me on social media at waysahealth.com or email me at michelle at waysahealth.com and tell me your story. And until next week, I hope you have a good one.